0: uh uh Uh-huh. uh 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 Uh-huh. me and the biz. Hey. Yo, this me and the biz.
1: Back with you another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes Podcast. But Biz, we're talking Hawkeyes, the second ranked team in the country another week. Another victory. Penn State falls in an electric Kinnick Stadium, 2320. Biz, a fun day of tailgating. A better day inside a Kinnick Stadium. What a day it was. The Hawkeyes get it done behind the strong defensive effort and a beautiful pass from Spencer Petras. What's happening?
0: Yeah, not, not much. It was a great, great day to be a Hawkeye, Trent. You know, in, in getting ready for today and starting to kind of organize my thoughts a little bit, I realized you really can't overstate just how amazing of a day it was. I mean, whatever word you want to use amazing, unbelievable once in a lifetime, any of those things you say any of them and you're right. I mean, it just, it truly doesn't get any better than that for a Hawkeye fan. It was, as you said, just a perfect day. It was, you know, the weather was perfect. The tailgating was perfect. Uh, the game turned out to be perfect. It wasn't perfect at the beginning, but, uh, You know, the fact of the matter is, Trent, if you and you and I were both lucky enough, if if you're lucky enough to be there at Kinnick Stadium last week, it's a day you will remember for the rest of your lives. You know, and I think back in 1985, Trent, a dumb nine-year-old kid had the option of, uh, found out last minute he had the option of going down with his dad to the game and instead chose to go to a sleepover that he already had planned with a friend of his, and uh for 36 years, I've been kicking myself for, uh, you know, making the wrong decision. And, unfortunately, uh, after being there on on Saturday afternoon, Saturday leave evening, I can I can now say I was at least at the second best uh, game in Kinnick, uh, in our lifetime.
1: Well, the masses don't want to know, but certainly the Osage contingent wants to know, who is the sleepovers house? Uh, who'd you go to?
0: Andy Cockrum. Uh, uh, it's a, a guy that he moved away, but... Uh, he was my best buddy growing up, and uh, you know, you did not didn't turn down sleepovers at Andy Cochran's house. They were—they were a lot of fun. <laughs> so uh, at the time, it was an easy decision. But you know, it's kind of like in Goodwill Hunting, Trent, when uh, you know Robin Williams talks about that he, he gave away the tickets, and, uh, and Matt Damon's incredulous about it, and he says, "Well, I didn't—I didn't know Fish was going to hit the homer. Uh, obviously, I didn't know uh, Houtman was going to make the kick. If I—if I'd have known it was going to be." Uh, an all-time amazing finish, then maybe I'd have thought differently. But I was nine and dumb, so uh, what can you do?
1: You've grown up since then, and no doubt about it, biz. So from there, let's turn our attention back to what we saw on Saturday between the lines on the field. And there's plenty of national people, and the narrative is, well, they're blowing out Iowa when Sean Clifford was in there. A, not realizing Clifford, though he ran the ball effectively a couple of times, he wasn't perfect. He had already thrown two interceptions in that game. And, oh, by the way, Phil Parker, that like does make some adjustments. In fact, he was already making adjustments when Clifford was still in there, including bringing Jack Campbell after him. That knocked him out of the game. It just it feels very short-sighted. It shouldn't be surprised. surprise. I mean, that's, that's what nationally happens because, well, they're just trying to take a little bit from every single mm-hmm. game. But the takeaway from them, not the reality, I, I think, that would have played out. It doesn't say Iowa wins automatically if Clifford's in there. But to say that they wouldn't have had a shot or was going to be some kind of Penn State blowout, I think they're also kind of going to a different narrative there.
0: Uh, Honestly, I just don't care about that narrative. I mean, I know there are Iowa fans that get worked up about it and they respond on on social media and they really want to fight that battle. I don't care. If people want to pretend that the game would have been different Sean Clifford was in the game, so be it. Sean Clifford wasn't in the game. And it wasn't that he... uh, Trip falling down some stairs. He got knocked out by our middle linebacker. That, that's football. I mean, you. We know you know you want to play that game. We can talk about Ricky Stanzi uh, getting hurt against Northwestern uh and how that season could have played out differently. But the fact of the matter is, he got knocked out, and we we knocked him out. So uh I don't. Know, it's a narrative. It's just a tired narrative. And I, again, I don't care if people want to make that the excuse. Go for it. If you want to make excuses, uh, you know Spencer Lee. Uh, As they said, excuses are for wussies, (laughs) Trent.
1: And there's been plenty of those out there. So one thing that uh, you texted to me here before we started recording was just about this program and and what this means for the program. You put it, a program-defining win. Take us down the path. What you're thinking here, Biz?
0: Well, I actually thought about talking about this last week, and I talked about, you know, kind of foreshadowing and talking about, you know, program-defining opportunity, and, and I decided to I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to, uh, even go down that road. But, uh, I mean, to me, this was our chance to kind of turn the corner as a program. You know, I'm sure people remember, but a decade ago, there was a pretty famous term called Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, uh, you know, a decade ago, Clemson was well known for being good enough to get ex- people excited, but never good enough to get around the corner. and, and, Honestly, I'm not sitting here saying we're going to be the next Clemson. We're not. Um, But can we turn the corner and be, you know, what Wisconsin was for five, six years there? And can we do that over the next five, six years, where we are truly in the national conversation week in and week out? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely we can. And I feel like, you know, Saturday can hopefully be a turning point where, you know, we have the national spotlight and the team and the team and especially the crowd came through in in flying colors. And it was, you know, you just look at this team. We've talked about before, you know, there's a team that I think has a chance to go from being good to potentially great, not just this year, but, but down the road, they're young team, lots of returning talent. You got tons of momentum. You know, obviously that atmosphere could only help recruiting going forward. It it just felt like to me, a, a chance to, take a step forward from a national perspective, and we did it. Um, Is it still going to be an uphill battle? Absolutely. You and I talk about it all the time. The margin of error for Iowa football is always going to be a lot less than it is for Clemson or Alabama or Georgia or teams like that. But uh, we're certainly in that national narrative right now, and and let's hope we can uh, stay there for the next couple months. You know,
1: I I think that's really fair to look at, too, is the margin is going to be difficult, but – you pick up some of those recruits, you get a Xavier Wampa, you get a Caden Proctor, you get Kyler uh, Casper, you get those kind of guys all of a sudden that are jumping aboard along with it. And you still stay with your core tenants of what got you to this level. Absolutely. It's there. And there's no reason that Iowa can't have a run like Wisconsin, that Iowa can't be there in a consistent level at the top because they've been one of the best programs in the country over the last five years in terms of victories. They're in the top, what, 12, I think, in the country in that metric. Maybe even higher than that, but it's about breaking through. And that's still what is in front of them. And that's why, as great as Saturday was, you can give it right back on Saturday with the loss to Purdue. And you don't finish the deal. And you let another loss beat you. And you also lose to Wisconsin, and you're not there to Indy. Because Iowa, they've been at the point. They've been close. This is different with the undefeated start, but they've been close. It's still for me. You got to break down that door. You got to get to back to Indianapolis at the very least to start to get that ball rolling down the hill.
0: Oh, I think you and I are both probably realistic enough fans to agree that we're we're probably not going to go twelve and zero. Trent, we you know if you lose to Wisconsin on the road, there's no shame in that. But you, you got to battle back and and you know finish eleven and one. And you got like you said, we got to get to Indy this year. I mean, you know, you go back to nineteen eighty five. Iowa didn't finish the deal that year either. We weren't number one all the way through, and, and we lost to Ohio State. But people look back at that year and still talk about it being the greatest game of all time. I mean, <laughs> you lose a game, that doesn't diminish what happened on Saturday. If you, if you fall apart and you end 8-4, and four, then yeah, it probably does. But I just don't see this team doing that. They just They've got a mental toughness and a resiliency. I mean, they've been down in four of the six games. And they just didn't panic. They didn't They didn't go away from what got them there. They just kept chipping. And, and you know, as we saw on Saturday night, you keep chipping, you keep chipping, you keep chipping, and eventually uh, you break through. And, and, you know, the fact of the matter is, Trent, we don't win games like that very often. And, you know, when you got to answer that question, how often does that happen? Who, who do you go to, Trent? Got to go to Stat Boy. Yeah. So I, I gave Stat Boy a couple assignments, as usual, this week. First one, pretty easy. How many times in the Hayden and Kirk era have we come back from double digits against ranked opponents? How many times in the Kirk and Hayden era, you said? Yep, 1979. So we're talking, you know, same 42 years yep. we always talk about. Have we come back from being down double, double digits against ranked any team. ranked opponent?
1: Any ranked team. I'm going to say a half dozen, six. You nailed it.
0: Clearly, you, uh, you're cheating and peeking at my notes Every so. time. Um, but six times, but amazing thing, we were down 14, obviously, on Saturday. It was only the second time in 42 years we came back from 14 points down against a ranked team. It, I'll be really impressed. Can you think of the one time, the one and only time, we were down by two touchdowns against a ranked team and came back in the Hayden and Kirk Harris?
1: Down two touchdowns,
0: came back. I think you were present at the game, Trent. Okay, so I know I was. but I think you were there as well.
1: Uh down double digits. That's what you said. No, down fourteen. Down fourteen. Down or more. fourteen. Okay, because yeah, we're down ten nothing out of Penn State in two thousand nine. So Correct. it's not That's that one, one of the
0: six. That's one of the six. But this is narrowed down fourteen or more. It's only happened one other time.
1: Fourteen or more road trip.
0: In Kinnick. Not nope. nope not it was in, Kinnick. in, Kinnick. in Kinnick, uh you got me Michigan 2003 2003 the yeah. Ramo, the Ramona Ochoa game down 14
1: nothing
0: down 140 early in that game and it looked like it was gonna get ugly and uh kind of like on Saturday we kept chipping we kept chipping we kept chipping and we found a way if you remember that game two things stick out about that game a before Saturday, it might that might have been the loudest I remember Kinnick getting. Because if you remember Michigan, this was kind of the uh, the beginning of the uh, the rugby style punting, and Michigan attempted to do it that day. Inexplicably, kept attempting to do it. And we got closer and closer, and finally blocked a punt that turned the momentum of the game. And it was kind of like on Saturday with with the the false starts, You know, it was just the crowd kind of reached a, a crescendo of louder and louder and, and I think after 18 years, we finally uh, got a louder game than I remember the 2003 game being. So a lot of similarities between those two games. But until Saturday night, that was the one and only time we'd come back from a two-touchdown deficit against a ranked opponent.
1: So we mentioned another one of the games down double digits. Penn State out there in 2009, the opening play, the big one on the pass play. That was the Adrian Claiborne block punt game. What else on the list does Stat Boy have for us?
0: Well, those are the only two times at Penn State in 2009 and at home versus Michigan. Those are the only two times that Kirk's teams have ever done it. The other three are a little tougher to remember because they're all Hayden, Hayden uh, victories. 1990 at the Big House. We uh-huh. were down 20-10, tw- down to 10, came back to win 24-23. The next year, 1991 at Illinois, down 21-10, to 10, rally to win 24-21, and then the 1997 you know, Tavian Banks, Tim Dwight year at Purdue, down 17-7, to and then roll to a 35-17 win. So uh, that's it, Trent. It doesn't happen very often. Like I said, we, we generally don't win those types of games against uh, against ranked opponents. So, uh, you know, you couldn't have scripted it much better than, than how it went Saturday night. You, you know, it was uh, not great on my heart and uh, not great on my uh, – vocal cords for how loud it was, but uh, in the end, you couldn't script it any any better.
1: It was uh, an incredible environment. It was, as you said, and I said the same thing when I opened up my radio show on Monday morning. It was as loud as it had been since the 2003, and I really think louder. I I think back of those times, you think of the loud, and there's something about the new end zone with the north end zone that just keeps that sound in there, and those back-to-back-to-back false start penalties, it was deafening. I was up high, higher than where I normally am um, in Kinnick. I was up in row, what, 68, I think it was. So I was up there in section 108. It was high, and it was still so incredibly loud. And we are on the other side, obviously, from that north end zone that just feels like it just reverberates the sound.
0: Well, and I think, I agree that it was, it was definitely louder for an, a longer period of time. I mean, there's been moments where Kinnick can just, you know, always get to that, that level. But literally... From the middle of the third quarter on, I mean, it was just nonstop loud. I mean, once we got it to 20 to 13, you could just feel that vibe because, you know, it was from 20 to 13 on Penn State had what, 24 yards, I think, in the last 22 plays of the game or something. I mean, it was was pretty much just nonstop full volume, max volume for the last 20 minutes of the game, which uh, I've never seen that before in Kinnick. I've seen it for two, three, four minute stretches. But, you know, usually something happens in there where, you know, other team makes a 40-yard play and it calms everybody down. Or, you know, we we turn the ball over or something like that. And it that just didn't happen. The last 20 minutes, it was just a slow, steady uh, – you could feel it coming. And, you know, we talked about a lot on our text string, if we could ever get it tied or get the, get the lead, the game was over. And that's exactly what happened.
1: You just had that feeling throughout. It just – Make a play, and Petrus made a play, and it was something that they were setting up, and they rolled the pocket over, and he throws it back to Reganey, and just the 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 murmur that came out as that ball was hanging in the air, boy, it it felt like that thing hung up there for a good twenty seconds. It just it took forever for it to get down.
0: Yeah, well, from our you know where we sit, Mm -hmm. and you weren't with us on on Saturday, but you could see it, perfect angle, and when he let it go, I was like, oh no, he overthrew him, And, you know, fortunately, he put the perfect amount of loft on it and let him perfectly. And, you know, it just, I, I couldn't be happier for Spencer Petras. He, he's been the program's whipping boy and he's the easy guy to blame. And I thought he played really well again on Saturday. I know he started one for nine, but that wasn't his fault. I mean, you go back, I, I assume by now you've watched the replay. If you haven't, you definitely should, but, that first quarter, our offensive line was completely, you know, just manhandled. And credit to them, they again they kept chipping, they kept chipping, you know, just across the board. Defense kept chipping, offense kept chipping. We just kept battling. And by by the second half, we, had, you know, O line did its job, and you know, we didn't get flustered. We we, we just kept kept battling, and that's uh, that's definitely this team's mo. You know, the one guy Trent we need to mention. Corey Taylor gets so much love, but man, Caleb Schutek was huge also. I mean, mm-hmm. that 48-yard field goal to, to get it to seven, that felt like a defining moment of that game also. We, we were still struggling at that point. You know, he had the 48-yard field goal. You're down 10 late in the third quarter. He misses that. I don't think we're talking about a victory right now. And he didn't just make it. He, he nutted it right down the middle. Yes. And that's – give him credit. He should be 100% kicking this year, if not for a uh, – a bad snap and he's been unbelievable.
1: Terry Roberts, his cover, but also not just him. And we're used to Terry Roberts making plays all over the field on special teams, but also IKM, your dude, Ivory Kelly Martin. He came down there. He downed one, a good play out of him. It's special teams as a whole. And you know, there's just moments. It feels like Tory Taylor's just actually kicking the ball, punting it down to Terry Roberts every single time.
0: Yeah. It just feels like a game of catch. Sometimes you just kind of toy him with him. So it's a, uh... It, it, it makes it look easy, that's for sure. And it's, We talked about coming into the year that, that special teams could be a strength for this team, but uh, I'm not sure anybody thought special teams would be this good. No. I mean, just across the board, we, we, you could make an argument we've got the best punter and the best kicker in the nation right now.
1: Not a bad place to be. I'll take it, and I will take it, as they move to 6 and 0 Biz, from there, you had something here, more stat boy information. How we got here. How we got to this point after last season, the truncated season, six and two, but there were two losses at the beginning of it. And of course, what happened in the conversations around the program during 2020 in the summer, Chris Doyle being fired, everything there. The question that you put out there, how did we get there? How did we get here from where we were?
0: Well, and this one isn't stat info. He's got more info coming down the pipeline, but this is just from from my brain, which is, which is always scary, Trent, but... <laughs> You know, I just I just I think it's important to kind of sit back and look about the last time we played Purdue and just where this program was at that time. I mean, nobody, not any hawk fan in the world, could have anticipated where things have gone over the last 11, 11 and a half months. I mean, like you said, this time you know, Halloween night last year, we were an zero and two football team that had gone through you know, about as bad of a summer as you could get from the racial uh, issues, you get the firing of Doyle, the investigation of the rest of the program, the 0-2 start. You know, I, I think I, most fans at that point would have bet that we were uh, on the brink of a disaster, not on the brink of becoming a uh, you know, you know, a potential uh, playoff team. And, you know, I just wanted to take two minutes, Trent, and talk about you got to give credit where credit's due here. And to me, it's really simple. You give credit first to the players, You know, they held strong, Uh, they they kept fighting, they kept battling. You know, what they've done over the last 12 games is is truly amazing. You you look at some of the guys in this program, would you have blamed Tyler Goodson for for leaving and deciding to go back to Georgia and just saying, hey, with this investigation, what's going on? Why am I here? Why am I in Iowa? You know, same for Kayvon Merriweather, IKM, guys like that were speaking up, and they were getting some pretty pretty brutal responses for speaking up. And they were getting it from the worst of our fan base. And, you know, I'm not ignorant. You're not ignorant. Trent. Every fan base has, has their assholes. But hey, Iowa has plenty of them. And they spoke up, and they were brutal to some of the people that, that spoke their mind. And, you know, give credit to the players for staying strong and also give credit to the coaches for, for listening and learning. They could have been stubborn they could have just give it all lip service and said, "No, nah, we're good. We've been a good program, and we'll continue to be a good program doing things the way we do it." But they didn't. They they listened. They learned. Hopefully, they're still listening and learning. Um, you know, and they they listened to a great group of young men because you know, man, you can see it. Trent, you can see it every single game with the Hawks right now. There's a joy and a fun to this program that hasn't always been there. Yes. You know, it's a program that you and I love, and we've you know. We'll, we'll, we'll defend it to the to the death, but up until you know there was times in the past we'd go on the road. I remember we'd be like, man, there's not a lot of joy and fun in this program. They, they treated it pretty pretty militaristic at times, and, and that's fine. It got us to it got us to where we are, but it wasn't going to get us over the hump. And what, it's a perfect storm of circumstances. You've got some players and coaches that have bought in and have made this program what they are. And I think it's just important to take a step back and look at that because we don't get to this point if Coach Doyle is still our coach. We just don't. Uh, it's a, you, I'm sure there will be people that will disagree with that, and fine. If you want to disagree and you want to pretend that things were better before, that's your right, but, but they're not. And if you want a perfect example of it, Trent, the favorite part for me of the whole game day on Saturday is watching our team during the national anthem. It, it's just awesome to see. Because you've got a group of 20 people, 20, 25 guys that are expressing their right in a very respectful way to, uh, to show what their opinion is and something. And then you've got 20 to 30 guys next to them that all have their hands on their shoulders uh, are showing that we're in this together as a team. And, and you can do things different ways. And it's just, it's awesome to see. And you know, if you'd have told me a year ago we'd have been here, Trent, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have believed it, and I don't think anybody else would have also. So, it's just like I said. I just wanted to take two minutes and, and reflect on how did we get here because it's pretty awesome how we got here.
1: It absolutely is. And two things from that, it would have been easy, like you said, for them put their head in the sand and say, no, we're fine. We do it a certain way, and and that's the way we'll do it. Kirk Ferentz and the rest of the staff, they did listen, and they actually put. Some action to this. This wasn't lip service. This was doing it. What you said with the national anthem and what we have become as a country, everything has to be divisive. It's not what it is. It's about coming together. We have different ideas, we have different thoughts, but ultimately, we're still working for the same goal. That's what it was, at least how I remember things growing up. Unfortunately, we're at a point in this country that's not the case. But for Iowa football, it is about that. It's about working together, even with different ideas and ideals. And getting to that ultimate same spot, you're right. It's a great thing to see. Absolutely love it. Well said, Biz. Tip of the ball cap to you for that one. Ready for some more Stat Boy info?
0: I am. Yeah, we. You know, it's been all all positive to this point, Trent. But as people know that listen to us, there's always got to be some. Uh, <laughs> you can't be an Iowa fan without some concerns. Uh-huh. So let, let's let's jump ahead. Trent, is there going to be a letdown this Saturday?
1: Uh, I will tell you this summer uh, I got at DraftKings, Purdue plus 14.5. I thought that was a gift. When I saw the opening line come out at Circus Sports on Sunday afternoon at 12, I jumped on that. Yeah, I'm grabbing these points this weekend. Don't even have to get to our picks, though. They were hideous last week. Yeah, I'm grabbing the points here because I think we are conditioned, ready for the letdown.
0: Yeah, uh, And so my, my second assignment for Stat Boy was let, let's look into it. Should we be conditioned for the letdown or not? And the answer is maybe. <laughs> okay. So what Stat Boy found out is I, what I had him do is let's look at the week after or the game after some of our biggest victories. So this is the 11th time that we'll be following up a victory against the top 10 opponent. So uh, when you look at those previous 10 games, right in two, mm-hmm. not bad. And when you look at the two losses, I'm not sure you can call either one of them letdowns. The two losses, do you remember? One of them was relatively recent, and it was a an absolute stomping. Do you remember the, the most recent uh, loss after a big victory?
1: Did we lose after the Ohio State game?
0: Yeah, we went to Wisconsin and, and oh, had an all-time. No. We had literally 66 yards off. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, 66 yards, we lose 38-14, and we should have lost worse than that. The only way we got 14 was Des King uh, carried us to that point. So The other one... That way back in 2003, ironically, it was the game after the Michigan game. We went to Ohio State, number mm-hmm. eight Ohio State, and got beat 19-10. to 10. So no shame in that whatsoever. Nick Kading had
1: the them, touchdown, right?
0: Yeah, the fake field goal. Yes. So, you know, but no shame in either one of those losses. Obviously, the way we lost to Wisconsin was not fun, but they were number six and were at Camp Randall. And the other one's number eight and at the horseshoe. So uh, the only two losses – it would be, a, you know, neither one where you'd say you called a letdown. But we are four and six against the spread in the games after. And a couple of them, a couple of the wins were not pretty. Um, we'll look at a couple here. 2008, we beat Penn State um, on the last second kick. The next week, we actually played Purdue. And we uh, we stumbled our way to a 22 to 17 victory. wasn't pretty, but. If you tell me we have a twenty-two to seventeen victory coming on Saturday, I'll, I'll sign up for that right now. Honestly, um, the next year we beat Penn State at Happy Valley. We came back and had a non-conference game where we almost lost to mighty Arkansas State. If you remember, uh, a twenty-four to twenty-one squeaker. Um, and then the next year, two thousand ten, we, we stopped Michigan State at home, number five. And then the next week, remember, we went on the road to Indiana. And won 18 to 13, but but should have probably lost. They dropped a, a catchable ball late in the game in the end zone that would have probably beat us. So um, again, hasn't always been pretty, but we found ways to win. So uh, I guess after looking at Stat Boy's info, I would say I don't expect a letdown on Saturday, but I do expect a battle. I just think you look at it, you know, it's a Perfect situation for Purdue because they're coming off a bye week. We're coming off the most uh, emotional victory of any of these players' lifetimes. And there's got to be at least a little bit of a, you know, just some exhaustion after that game. And you've got the injury to to, to Riley Moss. I mean, I, everybody loves Trey Roberts. He's, he's a great backup. He deserves a chance. But timing's not real great because, as we know, David Bell has been an Iowa killer. And you better believe Jeff Brom is going to uh, – Test Terry Roberts, a lot on Saturday. So let's hope he's up to the challenge. So, you know, I hope we've been playing the Purdue game from last year just on a continuous loop at the facility. I I can't imagine this team's not going to be ready to play, but I also am worried, you know, like I said, it's going to be a battle on Saturday.
1: Xander Horvath will not be there, though, luckily. Yeah, you look
0: back, that that was the biggest head scratcher of the whole year last year. How in the world did we give up uh, 150 yards to Purdue? Yeah. But we've been we've been a pretty stout run defense since that game, but not that day.
1: Still unlikely to play at least is uh, what I saw earlier this morning from the Purdue rival site as he works his way back from a broken leg that he suffered against Yukon. He was an absolute beast in that game and then Iowa well they found a way to get it done.
0: Biz, you ready to make some picks this week? I am so we, uh, you, know, you said we were terrible last week, but I'm giving us both credit for the Texas game. There's no way Texas should have lost that <laughs> game. so uh, I'm just going to pretend that was a win.
1: Okay. All right. We'll, we'll put it in there. 0-3? Oh, 0-3. Oh, That's what it was officially last oh, week. Hold on. I had a win. Oh, yeah, you did. You had Iowa, didn't I you?
0: Had, I had Iowa. You did. Come on. Not only did I have a win, I had the, most, I had the only win that mattered. I picked Iowa.
1: That's all it is. And uh, I'm going to continue to stay away. Got a streak. Don't want to break it here. So give me the Boilermakers. I'll grab the 11 and a half points.
0: I, I truly appreciate you take continue to take over the team, Trent, because obviously if you've been following, you know what I'm doing. Get, give me the Hawks. Give me the points.
1: So we're on opposite sides as we have been, and it's worked well. We're not going to mess with it. Game of the week. We're not going to Texas again because I'm with you. You texted me. I just hate betting, Texas. I, I've won. I've lost. I, I've done it all. That program as a whole just it can be incredibly infuriating if you are a better. But Biz, let's go to what we instead go to the big national game of the week. And former Hawkeye Mark Stoops, he's got his Wildcats undefeated. They got big time dreams, and now they got a big time test. It's the number one team in the country. Kentucky, the number right now at Circus Sports, 23 and a half. Georgia favored against the undefeated Wildcats.
0: I've learned my lesson on Georgia at this point. Uh, in A couple weeks, I talked myself into taking Arkansas because uh, I just thought the line was was too big. Well, the line's too big on this one again, Trent. But I'm not—you're not, not going to fool me twice on it. Uh, Kentucky's played great the last couple weeks, but I saw they're down two defensive linemen. You know, they've—they've they've got to be a little worn out after two of the biggest program wins in, in their history. Uh, I just—I think this will be similar to the last couple of Georgia wins. It'll be. Georgia something in the 30s versus Kentucky something in the 10 or below. So, uh, give me Georgia, and uh, just hope they keep doing what they've been doing.
1: Another one, uh, you speak of that, yeah, they've been ugly. They completely shut teams down. Will Levis, I don't think, really strikes fear in that Georgia defense here. I'm going to play what I have been lately with Georgia, and that is the unders. I'm going to go to the under. Now, it's a low number, and it's probably going to continue to fall as the week goes on. Right now, 44.5 the total in that game i will take the under in georgia kentucky best bet of the week or the one you draw out of a hat if you're me what do you got this week for us biz
0: i didn't take the over in georgia and kentucky but i I did take or under i mean i did i did take the under as my best bet i never thought i'd say this but both nebraska and minnesota have legitimately good defenses and i think both teams Especially PJ Fleck is going to look to slow this game down as much as possible and try to make this an ugly game and try to make it a Minnesota 13 10 victory over Nebraska. So, last I saw, the over under was 49. I think that's way too high. I think this is a game where first team to 20 wins it. So, uh, give, me a, give me our two hated rivals, Nebraska and Minnesota, to play an ugly, low scoring uh, slug fest up, uh, up in Minneapolis. So, under 49.
1: Under 49 is the play. Finish up with my best bet. Go conference USA on you UTEP. They've already hit their over on the win total for the year. It was two and a half. They have five wins already this season. They welcome in La Tech. La Tech is two and three. Skip's team is disappointed this year. They come in off a loss uh, a couple weeks ago against NC State. If the Miners are getting seven and a half at home, doesn't something stink here? When something stinks, you got to go the other way. Lay the touchdown and grab
0: la tech Sure whatever Trent I have no clue on those two so I'll, I'll I'll just assume you're assume you're going to lose again I don't think you won a best know this all year It's so. been
1: ugly it's been hideous and that's why well, we start to dig a little bit deeper when it starts to go to that path So we'll uh, work biz good record 10 7 to 1 on the year that's making money I'm giving money back to the book and we will work to get one of those perfect 3 and 0s this weekend. Let's hope it's you, Biz, because you got the Hawks minus eleven and a half.
0: Yeah, and I don't care. Like I said, it can be one and a half, it can be whatever. It could be the ugliest game in the world. Just find a way to win this one on Saturday. It's uh you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I just don't see this team having a letdown. Um but on the flip side we're also due for one of those games kinda like Purdue last year where we turn the ball over a few times, the other team doesn't turn the ball over we're due for a game where we make all the mistakes. So, uh, you know, that's going to happen at some point. And when it does, can we still find a way to, to scrap out a victory? But, uh, you know, let's uh, let's let's focus on the positive here, Trent. I, I'm going to – I'll go uh, Hawks 27-13.
1: Hawks 27-13. I got Purdue 28-23. Street comes to an end. Comes crashing down.
0: Oh, God, Trent. Let's, uh, let's hope that doesn't happen.
1: Right there with you. All right, Biz, before – we get out of here. Time once again for Business Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Business Beat of the day. Okay, here's Business Beat of the day.
0: Business Beat this week is the tip of the ball cap for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know if you saw it this morning, but they officially drew the line in the sand uh, on the debacle that, with Kyrie Irving. They, they basically told him, uh, get vaccinated or get out. So, he uh, he has every right in the world to not get vaccinated, but uh, they have every right in the world as his employer to say, fine, you don't want to do it, then, then don't play basketball for us. So uh, good for them for drawing the line. It sounds like some of the other players, the veterans, KD and, and Harden and a few others were, uh, were involved in the decision, and they're the ones that actually drew the line in the sand. So good for them and good for the NBA for, for drawing a hard line in the sand. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, – Again, uh, get, he has every right to, to choose not to get vaccinated, but uh, he doesn't have every right to uh, make his employer – uh, the employer has every right to make their decision as well. So good, good for them.
1: Good stuff, Biz. And 2.30 kickoff with Purdue coming to town. Iowa Basketball Media Day is also in the books. we got hoops to talk about
0: here pretty soon.
1: Going to have to find some time. Just tough when you got an undefeated second-ranked football team.
0: Yeah, I just real quick. I'm not, I'm not sure. I've ever. I can't remember an Iowa team going into the year where you have, you know, less confidence in, in saying is this team going to be good, bad, in between. You know, they could be 11 and 20, and it wouldn't shock me. They could be 21 and 10, and it wouldn't shock me. There's a a lot of unknowns coming into this year, but I think also, you know, it could be a really enjoyable team to watch as well.
1: Yeah, different type of team, different built team, and we will get into that as we get closer and closer to The season. Biz, fun week. Let's have another one this Real
0: week. Real quick, I assume you saw it, you watched it. Our good friend Sorter sent it to us. But is there any way we can get Falbo Pizza as a sponsor of this program <laughs> so we can play the Patrick McCaffrey jingle week in and week out?
1: I would hope so, man. That was incredible. Good for Patrick. Good for NIL. That was a fun one. And you can tell, yeah, he was just having a little fun with it, right?
0: I uh, you see Fran's comment yesterday. He was asked about it. His first question was, he, he questioned Patrick about why he would do it, and Patrick mentioned how much he made. And he's like, okay, Good for you, son.
1: Pretty penny going his way, no doubt. Biz fun stuff this week. Uh, we'll talk again next week as we look towards a bye week. Maybe that's the time we'll get some basketball talk.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully, we're talking to another Hawkeye W. Go, Hawks.